Sister Wanda, when she lets herself, she does a great job. Uh, but she sometimes wants to be a wandless. <laughs> Preach to me. And maybe that's all right, too, because, you know, maybe I need to have a, a one-on-one tutor. A lot of times, you know, it's easy to get off the track a little bit, and you've got somebody to give you a kickstart. Probably it helps a lot. So uh, uh, the Lord knows what he's doing, Brother Gary. Uh, I want you guys to just understand something this morning. I'm, I'm breaking out. Uh, uh, but I still believe in the old way. I really love this thing. But I'm not sure it's going to cooperate with me. So uh, uh, I was always told, wear both belt and suspenders if you're in doubt. <laughs> and so I got my notes on the sideline. Now, I want to talk to you a few minutes this morning. And, and I'm believing the Lord's giving me something to say to you. I, I hope it sets with you, all of you a little bit. I've certainly noticed in, in my life that, I, uh, that I've done some things that meant well and it didn't turn out right. Uh, uh, I've, when I first started preaching, uh, it was all inspiration with me. With my tutors or the people I was around, they believed if you didn't get up behind the pulpit and get the running with the word, you wasn't ready to preach. Uh, but I soon found out that I needed a security blanket or an outline. And so uh, I've gotten so used to speaking with an outline, and, and I need that to, to keep me on track, that when I do things like Thursday night, I feel like it's my first time to preach and, 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 and I'm all over the book. So I, I like doing it this way. Uh, I feel like maybe it soaks in better. Maybe that's it. So you pray for me this morning. I want to try to take us someplace if I can. I want to talk to you about life-changing prayer. Now, some of you may not be in a place where you're praying yet. Some of you, it may be the first time you've been in the church house this morning. Some of you may have not known the Lord as your Savior. Well, I want to tell you something. This morning, you can get to know him before you leave here as your Savior. Matter of fact, you could even do it right now. You can just say, Lord, come into my heart. Now, I'm sorry for the way I've lived. I'm sorry for the things that I've done. I'm sorry for, for not having you for my Lord before now. But, Lord, I believe in you. I believe you are the Savior of the world. And I believe you died on the cross on Calvary for me. And Lord, I ask you to come into my heart this morning and I'll serve you the best of my ability. Lead me and guide me and direct me in Jesus' name. And I believe if you did that, I believe you're saved this morning. Now, so I want to talk to everybody this morning about life-changing prayer. We've all prayed prayers in our life. If you've been serving God any time, you prayed. And a lot of us prayed before we before we really got to know God, we would pray when we get in trouble, Lord, don't let, don't let this happen and I'll serve you. We've, we've made all kinds of excuses and all kinds of talks to God, but God's not a God that deals. He said, okay, here is the deal. You live right and I'll bless you. You live wrong and you're going to be under a curse. And so I believe uh, in, over in Colossians, chapter 1, 7 through 14, there's a model for prayer that anybody can pray and mean it and be a blessing for those around you. You know, we, we sometimes we talk about this type of prayer and that type of prayer and, and we go through all these things and we pray, but how many knows if some, it, that we ought to pray for people in a way that bless you? Yes. So did you learn in Ephesus of our dear fellow servant who is a servant or who is a faithful minister of Christ 
on our behalf and who also told us of your love and the Spirit. For this reason, since the day uh, we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10 says, And we pray this, that in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with the power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience and joyfully, uh, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into a, the kingdom of the Son of he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of our sins. How do you respond when somebody, uh, when people ask you to pray for them? Think about that for just a moment. How do you respond? Do you know how to lift them up before the Lord? In the first chapter of Colossians, the Apostle Paul has given us this powerful uh, model for intercession. I've been around people, they thought that intercession was when you got to a place and you just agonized before God. And you didn't necessarily even have to be agonizing before God in, in anything uh, except just, uh, well, I won't go there. We know there's a heavenly language, and we use it. But intercession is more than just praying for someone in a heavenly language. Intercession is something that we know somebody needs something, and we bombard heaven for them in those needs. And as I begin to read this, I begin to think how good it is that God is to us and his children, that he will let us discern if you have been serving the Lord and you ask God to fill you with the gifts of the Spirit, there's a spirit called discernment, and you can discern what your friends or people around you are going through sometimes as God allows you to, and then you can begin to pray for those things, and you can speak to the problem uh, so the devil knows and that thing knows that it needs to move. And when you begin to bombard heaven for that, then that's really intercessory prayer for that person. That may be not the only way you can do it, but that's the way I want to talk to you this morning. We can have confidence that God will answer this life-changing biblical prayer, and, and I like to do things the biblical way. If we we'll pray and ask God to do it, God's powerful. God can reach out across the avenues of our lives and touch, to touch people, pull back the burdens that's holding them down, to set them free because prayer is real. Matter of fact, it's as real as your faith or it's as lacking as your faith. A, prayer has power. And when spoken to God in faith, it will move the mountains around you. It'll be a shelter in the storm as you go to the Lord. God is able to meet all of our needs, not just some of them, all of them. Every believer needs to know 
the Lord's specific plans for his or her life. Ask God to feel the person, to feel the person with his spirit. And it says here, the second point, let me back up here, I'm, getting, I'm losing you here. First point is this, be filled with the knowledge of his will. We need to pray and ask God to let that person be filled with the knowledge of his will when you pray for someone. If you're going to uh, pray the prayer that's going to help them, start off by saying, Lord, fill them with the knowledge of your will. Because we don't know his will, we don't know about have the knowledge to know his will, how are we going to do what he wants us to do? Or how is the person going to know that? And secondly, ask God to feel the person in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I need to pray that for myself quite often. Lord, remind me. Lord, help me to walk in that place with you. And we can begin to just... When, it's so easy sometimes to get stuck in a rut and want to do things one way and not another way because we've never known of another way. We get comfortable there and we want to stay there. But, but we can take the Bible and you can lay out a, a, a plan to pray and God will lead you in a way that will be a blessing to you and people around you that you're praying for. And we need his wisdom. We need the knowledge. And we need to understand of, of what? Of God and how we're going to get that if we don't get it from what the Word says. And so when we begin to pray for people, uh, uh, ultimately I believe the Spirit's going to take us back to the Word and help them there. Verse 9 says this, For this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with knowledge and His will, or the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Ask God to help them walk in a manner worthy of Christ's name. You see people around you sometime, and maybe they're, maybe they're not caring themselves quite like you think they ought to. Well, rather than going and, and causing havoc, uh, sometimes it's better just to go and pray for that person. In my, in my uh, uh, younger life in the Lord, I've been known a few times to go to people and say, hey, uh, that's not really right, and I offended people. Because I went in being and didn't go in the Lord. So praying for somebody does two things for you. When you're praying for them to be in God's will, it'll, it'll put you in a place where you'll lean on God before you go talk to people. And, and God will speak to people at the same time, and you may not have to go talk to them. The church has run off so many people meaning well, praying for people and going and getting ahead of God and doing their thing. And we got a lot of young folks in the world today that don't go to church because somebody in their family has been beat up uh, uh, in a way that we went in self. We meant well, but we went in self. And, and I look across the congregation this morning, and I see a lot of young folks. And, and I don't want to run you young folks off. I want to be an inspiration to you. And I want you to realize that sometimes people get out of line. They, they get out of turn where they should be in God. We should let God be before us all the time. So forgive us for that if we've done that. And set yourselves to look to Jesus. Lean on him. Forgive people and go forward. Thirdly, when we pray for people, ask God that that person would be bearing fruit in every good work. 
bearing fruit. Now, we Pentecostals, we believe in the, the gifts of the Spirit. Man, I mean, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and that's good. But we need more than the gifts of the Spirit in order to walk in the place that God's called us to walk if we're going to be a help to one another, not a hindrance. And so the, the writer here is saying that part of this is praying for people and being an intercessor for them is praying and ask God that they would bear fruit in every good work. As verse 10 says, and I'll read it to you, in Colossians it says, And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So there's no excuse for God's children to go through life not trying to bear the fruit of the Spirit in their life. A lot of us have a fruit, but it's the old fruit. It's the bitter fruit. You know, it's one thing about fruit. I've learned in Arbuckle that they raise a lot of almonds up there. Some folks want to say almonds, and some want to say almonds. I'm from the south. It's almonds to me. But I was driving down the road one day. When I moved to Arbuckle in the beginning, though, I need to tell you, I found out I love almonds. I would stop by the orchard and get me a handful or pocket full and go right on and, you know, and, and uh, uh, the farmers didn't get mad at me and I sure enjoyed them. But one day I was driving to Woodland and as I started driving to Woodland, uh, uh, I, lots of time I wouldn't stop for lunch and I drove by this tree on Old 99 by the side of the road and man, that thing was just loaded with almonds. And so I just backed up and I got me a pocket full of them. And I got back in a truck, and I'm taking off the woodland, and I'm trying to drive and crack those things. They were paper shell like They were easy to do. And so I cracked two or, three of them, two or three of them and threw them in my mouth. But, man, were they bitter. It was like I bit down on quinine. But I didn't know that until I tasted it, you see. And that's the way it is with fruit. You can call yourself a Christian. You can have the gifts working in your life, but if you let the old fruit be what people see, they're not going to like too much about what they find out about you. We need to realize that, that when we got saved, when we got born again, that the fruit in our life needs not be like the old man. It needs to be the fruit of the Lord, and the fruit of the Lord is a lot different. And so when he says we need to pray for people, that they be bearing fruit in every good work, it it. It's got to be a different fruit. Now, let me, let me share with you a little bit about the different fruits that a Christian should have here. But just before I get there, we all, as we obey God, he makes us to live fruitful lives. Amen. Who does the Holy Ghost? Because he leads us and he guides us and he directs us if we let him. But the Holy Ghost won't grab you by the ear and drag you through life through the right places and with the right attitude. That's up to you and I to have. But Galatians 5 and 22 tells us this morning that when the Holy Spirit, I'm reading from the Living Bible on purpose this morning, I want you to get a hold of it, uh, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives. Did you get that? When the Holy Spirit controls our lives. It means, and since this is a voluntary thing, God made us people that could choose. He didn't put us in a place where we don't have the choice to choose every day of our life. And so uh, we have the right to choose whether we're going to allow him to control our lives or not. You can go through life claiming to be a Christian. You can go through life claiming to be Pentecostal. But until you let the Holy Ghost 
control your life. You're not a Christian like you ought to be, and you're certainly not a Pentecostal like you ought to be because God calls us to be led by the Spirit, and we believe in that. And so Galatians 5 and 22 here says, when the Holy Ghost or when the Holy Spirit controls our life, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. And I notice this, the first three fruits that it talks about is love, joy, and peace. You ever wonder why God put it like that? Why couldn't he start the other way and come back? Because love is the essence of God. If there's a DNA with God, that's number one, love. And it's the same with Jesus. And in order to tumble downhill to everybody that claimed to be saved by him, love ought to be their, their mark. Uh, uh, people ought to know you by that. When they see you coming, it ought to just bounce out like a neon, a light sign off of you that I'm full of love. I love you. I love you. I love you. And in some people... I hate to say this, but it's some people, it takes being born again, filled with the Spirit, in order to love them like you ought to. Some of us have tried it on our own. It didn't work. Well, the Bible did say all things work together for good of them that love the Lord or claim to love the Lord, we could say, but because those are the things that makes us to know whether we really got it or whether we don't. Because, see, in me, there's only so much of me that I can give without God's help. I found that out. When I first got saved, I tried to love everybody. I tried so hard that I made a mess out of things. And you will, too, when you try to live for God the way that you think you ought to without being led by His Spirit. Secondly, it talks about joy. Well, if I've looked back on my life, and Brother Terry, I don't know, I can't talk for you, but as I've looked back on my life, I've found out that I've never, when I, when I really didn't have any joy in my life, it was because I had not been working on the love in my life for God and people around me. The Lord knew what he was doing when he had the writer to, the, to pen this this way. You see, because when you get to the place where you really, really, really love the Lord, the rest of it's going to fall in place. You say, what do you mean, Brother Ben? You either got it or you got, don't. No. A lot of us have a measure of the love of the Lord in our life, but we really hadn't fell in love with him yet. See, the measure to find out whether you have or not is when you get to the place that you love the Lord more than you love your hang-up, then you can say, I'm in love with the Lord, that the love of the Lord flows through my life. But a lot of us, we struggle with things. We don't want to turn loose from it. You see, I found out when I got saved that, that there was still a bag that I carried around with me of the old junk that used to be uh, uh, really uh, uh, handy and, and exciting with the old man. When I got saved, I got down to an altar, and I, I took my junk out, and I left it on the altar. But the problem is with most folks is, like myself, we go back to the altar and pick up some of it because this is good junk. I was going through my garage the other day. And it's got so bad I can't hardly get in and out. And I thought, i got to do something about this. And then right away I heard this voice in my ear saying, but that's good stuff. <laughs> but it's been there for 20 years. I haven't touched some of it. See, so that's the thing about this junk kind of, we lack our junk. And it's hard for us to turn loose the junk. You know why? Because there's two people living in your body. Paul talked about he had a warfare going on daily. You think you and I are any different? We got a warfare going on with things in our life, and we have to make up our mind who we're going to serve, the old man or the new man. 
And serving God in the new man takes some sacrifice on our part. That's why it's called this is a sacrificial life that we live for Christ Jesus. And you've got to fall out of love with the world and the things you love then and fall in love with the Lord before you can get rid of all the junk in your closet. And when you do, joy, unspeakable and full of glory, will flood your soul like you can't believe. There'll be things come your way that used to would put you in a spot where you would want to really, really be upset about some things, but uh, because you're trying and you're living different now, uh, and because that you've really fallen in love with the Lord, those old things won't bother you like they did. You'll have joy, 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 unspeakable. And when you get to those two places, then you're ready to move on and put on fruit called peace. And you'll never have peace in your life about the things around you. The storm will upset you, whatever you're doing, if you don't have love for God like that in your life. You've got to fall in love with God before you can have peace in your life. Because peace comes, it's developed after joy. I can tell you, some of you don't have that yet because some of you, you can miss three or four weeks before you come back to church. When you fall in love with someone, you don't want to go and stay away a while. Jeff wants to go home to Sarah when he gets time to go home. He don't want to go down the road and, and be busy to go out with the guys or go put, shoot poo for a week before he goes home. I guarantee you. I've been living with my wife for a number of years, and I'll tell you right now, I'd rather be home with her than be out with the guys on the town for a week or, or go on a fishing trip for a week. I'd rather be home with her. There's something about it. When you really, really love someone, it changes the way you act, the way you talk, where you go, and when you come back. Now, I, I put it that way. I brought it that way because of this. I see things in our lives we mean well, and we can't go any further with it. And, this, and they're telling you, this way we ought to pray for people. Those three, love, joy, and peace, is a direct connection between you and God. It's not about you and somebody else. That's between you and the Lord. Until you can get yourself to that place with the Lord, you're never going to move on and produce the other fruit that the Bible talks about in your life. That has to be the number one priority. And when you focus on that, and when you focus on that, then God will help you to move forward to when you get past that. Now then, the next fruit he's going to give you, patience and kindness and goodness, is how you deal with people around you. Come here, David. Would you help me preach this morning? He told me he's ready. So I didn't, I didn't, I just surprised him I was gonna bring him up here. This guy may get on my nerves. He hadn't, but just in case he did. <laughs> if he got on my nerves, the old man would have said, forget it, go on. I don't have nothing to do with you. But the new man you says, Hey, there's some fruit you need to apply here. Some patience with this guy. The old man would say, hey, I've had it with him. I'm not going to go there anymore. He don't listen to what I'm saying. He's got his own agenda. He don't care what's going on. But I still, the Bible said I need to have patience, and so I've got to apply patience, and I can't apply patience through the old man. It's going to have to be through the new man, and it's going to have to be through the, spirit of the fruit of the Spirit in order to do that. It takes me beyond what I'm capable of doing. And when I can get to where I can... Show him patience like I need to. 
And again, this is a two-part here. It's for me like for him. See, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. When you and I get determined enough to be about God's work, that we will let God work on us when he's working on somebody else too, it'll work out good. Because, see, if I don't have patience with him like I ought to, I'm not living where I ought to be, where God's called me to be. And so I've got to have patience with him. And so that means I might, might have to pray sometimes, Sister Tammy. I might have to pray hard to get this guy off my shoulder uh, that's called flesh and the devil working with him to be where I need to be with this guy because he needs someone to love him in a way that nobody can love him without his God loving him through them. Then he don't stop there. When we begin, we're praying for people. When we're thinking about our own lives, we need to take it a step further. <laughs> when I can have patience like I ought to have. If I don't have patience, listen. If I don't have patience, I'll, it's easy to push him aside. Well, I've already dealt with him two times or three times. My goodness, how many times am I going to have to tell that kid? How many more times am I going to have to go and rescue him? How many more times am I going to have to? How many more times? How many more times the Lord says, don't stop, keep on loving him? And when I forget about that, the Lord takes me back and reminds me the times he had to look over me and come call me back and have somebody have more patience with me. And when I get there, when I've learned enough through you teaching me patience because I didn't have none. And the Lord showed me through you that I need more patience. Then I can be kind to him even when he messes up. Even when he messes up. I can love him and I can be kind to him. But God's not through with that. Hey, there's nine fruits of the Spirit that God wants us to have. And there's one more that we need to apply to those around us. Besides having patience with him and, and, and being kind to him, I need to show him goodness. Goodness that comes from the Lord, not charity that comes from flesh. He's not looking for charity. He's not looking for somebody to have pity. He needs somebody that's going to love him and love him in the Lord. And when the church can get to that place where we can love everybody like the Lord, when they come through the door, whether they are, are homeless on the street, uh, whether they're dressed up or whether they're dirty, just love them in the Lord, then God will fill this house. Thank you, brother. Oh, oh, that's good. But now I've got a good one for you now. We really think we're on top of the world now. We love the Lord, and we found out how we ought to treat people around us. Mm. But how does your neighbor see you? How does the person on the block you live see you? How does the person in the workplace see you? The last three fruits deal with how people see us. And that's this. On Sunday morning, do they see you with your car parked in the driveway or the garage and two or three times a month you don't pull out and head to the church house? See, people watch. You say, I'm a Christian? Right off. Sunday morning, a red flag goes up if your car is still sitting in the driveway. They want them religious folks to go down to that Pentecostal church where people fall out and roll around the floor and make out like they got something. <laughs> God, I would to God that somebody gets so steered up they'd fall out and roll out on the floor in our church every now and then. Yeah. 
But people do. People watch. Some of you watch me. Some of you watch Sister Shannon. And I guarantee you, this sister right here, she come in here, puffed up one morning, turn her head when you want to shake her hand, you say, what's wrong with her? <laughs> she used to be so loving. See, we watch one another. And so people need to see us in faithfulness, number one. If the church doors open to faithfulness, now, how do they see you when you come to the church? Do you see you come in with a, well, I wish I didn't have to be here. I would rather go fishing or something today. Or do they see you come bouncing in and going over and saying, good morning, how are you this morning? You know the Lord's a good one. See, people read us. And so here we have an obligation with these last three fruits of the Spirit. You know, the fruit is something that's beneficial to the person who comes by and pulls it off the tree. What happened when Brother Gary was to come over and shake my hand and I'd look at him and see him and I'd turn and go talk over here to Sister Shannon where I wouldn't have to. <laughs> Fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness. Faithfulness that people can see. They don't have to ask you if you're saved or not. They can see you saved by the way you act. You know how they do that? Because they've been around the world enough they know how the world acts and Christians are supposed to be 180 degrees the other way. Next, they don't need to just see a faithfulness, but they need to see our gentleness. Ooh Have you been gentle to everybody around you lately, even those that didn't deserve for somebody to be, for you to be gentle to them? Unless you've been walking in the Lord, you hadn't, because there's not enough goodness in the fleshly part of a person Amen. to be what God's called us to be. And guess what? Somebody told me one time, said, Brother Ben, well, when the Lord gets ready for me to do it, he'll make me stop it. I said, no, he won't. He didn't make you do it. <laughs> There's some things the Lord expects us to do. You know, you can plant an apple tree in the backyard. If you water it and, and, and it gets sunshine, it'll do it all on its own. Gentleness, faithfulness, and gentleness. And I like the last one. Oh, my goodness, Lord, help me with that, because sometimes I have to go pray about it. You know, the more you think you got it together, sometimes God will just let you see how much you got it together. The last one I see here is self-control. How many Christians here this morning know you got self-control over yourself, over everything comes around you? Don't show me, please. If you say I'm self-controlled, the devil will put you in a spot and you'll find out. We need the Lord to help us in all these things. But well, we need to have those things. And if you, it, it, see, we, we, we want to think that that Galatians 5 and 22 is just, well, it's just not a, another scripture. Let me tell you something. That's a powerful scripture, and we need to get it right up there with John 3, 16 and, and let it brace John 3, 16 because if you don't work on Galatians 5 and 22 and 23, you're going to be short of what you need to show people around you. I believe when you get to where you walk in the spirit of Galatians 5 and 22 and 23, you'll be more full of the Spirit than you ever was by just practicing the gifts of the Spirit. Matter of fact, I'm so strong about that and so adamant about that, until you get to living there in your life, the gifts of the Spirit will never operate like they ought to in the church and in your life. 
you'll come across in the wrong attitude sometimes, but that'll keep you on course. Number four, increasing. So ask God that the person will be increasing in the knowledge of God. Tim says, and we pray in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and be pleasing uh, and be please and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. And, and we went on through that. A believer should grow closer and closer to the Lord over time. And I've found it in my life, folks. The longer I've known the Lord, the more I've got to know him and the more I love him because I can look back in my life and see where he rescued me in so many ways, in so many things. Hadn't it been for the Lord, I wouldn't be here today. I, I just got to tell you that I know that without beyond a shadow of a doubt. On a practical level, that means we should study the Bible, apply what we learn, and observe what happens when we obey and disobey. Now think about that for just a moment. If you've been having problems studying your Bible, finding time to study your Bible, guess who's behind it all? It's not because we live in a fast society. It's not because that we're so busy. It's, but, it's but the devil in the background trying to steal your time so you don't read the Word because if you read your Word, you'll understand where you are and where you need to be, what you need to be doing to go where God wants you to go. But if you don't study your Word, you don't know who you are. You don't know what authority you have. You don't even know if the preacher is preaching you the truth or not. And so it's important that we study his word, but the devil will keep us. And we're a society now that prays less than they ever have and reads the word less than we ever have. Ask God that the person would be strengthened with all power. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, not just my might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. And have a joyous life, I might add. The Lord loves it when we realize our hopelessness and cry out for his supernatural strength. We don't have any on our own. Number six, ask God that the person would be joyously giving thanks to the Father. Now, verse 12 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. In other words, bona fide by the blood. If you guess you ever heard that word or not, it means bought. And that's an old uh, ignorant way of saying it. <laughs> I've heard that lots of times, bona fide. I figured that some of it might go over your head, but some of you catch it, and, and it might hang on. My wife keeps telling me that I need to get up with the times. It's hard, though, to teach an old dog new tricks. Listen, I'm closing here. This request has to do with a person's attitude. Attitude means everything. Our attitude sometimes keeps us stuck longer than we would have been if we'd had a different attitude. Praying biblically will yield fruits every time. It'll do it every time. Stand with me all over this place, will you? When you pray for people... Believe that God will work in their lives. If you don't believe, you're just wasting your time. Church, coming to church is more than a Sunday morning meeting. 
it's learning how to live for God because we believe that we're just pilgrims going through. One day, everybody in this room is going to breathe your last breath, and we're going to wake up somewhere. Where do you want to wake up? The Bible teaches about there's only two places we go from here, one to hell and one to heaven, and we have the choice. Jesus died on the cross that we can go to heaven. But he also gave us a book, and the book's our road map. And I, I don't know about you, but I need instructions on how to do things. I feel like everybody here needs to realize that we are on a journey, and we need to line up to what the Word's saying. We've got to love one another and live by the Scriptures. And the Scripture says that we ought to pray. Talks about everybody praying, going with prayer on our heart all the time. But it also says something else because praying just won't get you there. He says in Galatians 5 and 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit needs to be in our life.